This episode is being brought to you by The Brand Solution. Get the support you need to help you package, promote, and deliver your services. Visit ZaniaEBlue.com slash The Brand Solution for resources to help you to take the next step forward in your business today. Hello and welcome to today's uh, Lessons She Learned podcast. Um, I'm excited and I'm kind of happy, but I'm also kind of like, hmm, Zanaya, this is interesting. Um, So I like to, I like the idea of meticulously planning episodes, uh, writing down um, a healthy amount of notes to follow, Um, and I think that there are certain conversations where like the structure of it, um, the cadence of something that is that well prepared, um, is excellent. Um, but I also see where moments of spontaneity and just like deep thought and just the documentation of it in its real raw original emotion without being kind of like condensed or in being muted in a way could be really, really cool also. So that's where I am now. Um, I am leaving the gym um, and I needed to get outside. It's like a weird, a weird fall kind of feels like it could be anywhere between like 65 degrees and 75 degrees. It's unclear. It's cloudy. It's rainy. It's my favorite. I really enjoy it. And what I was thinking to myself um, I actually wrote the, the major thought down. Um, I, it kind of surprised me a little bit, <laughs> the thought that I had. And just to give you a little bit of context, just to put it in perspective a little bit. Um, when I was, when I was, I want to say maybe a sophomore and a junior, more so freshman, when I was a freshman and a sophomore in college. I went to school after being sheltered and covered and and prayed over for all of my life. And I came to school and I was just like, ooh, what's that? (laughs) I was curious about everything, curious about many environments, curious about just so much stuff. And many of the things that I was kind of just diving, diving deep into was just like going to parties and seeing what it was like because other than like school parties, in high school, I went to no parties. I went to no parties in high school um, outside of like prom stuff. Um, and so when I got to college, I was like, okay, you know, this is a chance for me to really like open up my social life because when you kind of have your after school activities and you, uh, you know, kind of do all of the schoolwork and you have all allegedly the right friends and, and all those things, things like, the partying, like being super duper social, especially because I didn't, I was not super duper social um, and kind of living very far away from where my school was and where most of my like social environments were. I was like, oh, okay, like that, I'm just not gonna be able to move and maneuver the way I would typically move and maneuver. Um, and I ended up having a very focused high school experience. Um, and I felt like it was keeping me safe Um, because it was. I felt like it was keeping me protected because it was. Um, And my parents did some sheltering of me, but I I also did a healthy amount of 
sheltering of myself. I was able, I had been picking my own extracurricular activities since I was literally in seventh grade. I was finding environments that would allow me to do things that felt very natural to me, things that allowed me to like look into my curiosity. I had hobbies, I had interests, and a lot of them really had me kind of spending even more time with myself. And so I ended up kind of becoming my own best friend. I, I, it, and it mattered so much to me to, to kind of know how to spend time alone, even though I was, I'm not an only child, <laughs> to be able to kind of know what it means to rest because my Monday through Saturday, arguably, and honestly, sometimes even Sunday was just so active. I went to a collegiate a charter school where there was just more work than there were hours in the day. And I wasn't breezing through school, so I had to put my back into it at some point. Um, I'm staying after for tutoring. I, I'm, I wanted to really kind of dive deep into honors and AP classes that I was qualified for. Um, I went to, in a because a, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer at the time, I was going into... Um, after school activities where I had a lawyer as a mentor and I did debate and case studies and I had internships. I didn't even have a job in the traditional sense because I was kind of occupied with the marathon and the race of kind of just being admitted into college and getting and qualifying for the adequate scholarships and kind of just building up a resume for myself. And I learned in that process work ethic. I learned about myself. I learned how to pay attention to the cadence of my work. And I also learned how to kind of just decide what I want and focus on achieving that. And I think those are some really, really powerful things. But some of the things that I didn't learn in that environment, kind of staying to myself in my bubble, having friends, but not being aggressively social and not even trying to work all that hard to be with the friends that I had, um, was that I didn't learn how to truly nurture relationships. I wanted relationships to be minimal effort. I wanted them to be uh, the least amount of drama possible and feasible. Um, and in the end, when I transitioned into college, I transitioned into a space where the currency for satisfaction was relationships. And not only that, I was in an environment that was very different from my traditional environment. So I needed to build relationships that were able to make me feel more at home. And so my survival it, going from a predominantly black environment to a predominantly white environment and going and building a black nest for myself meant that I was going to have to be way more social than I had ever been, which meant learning how to talk to people, learning how to have relationships, learning how to love friends, learning how to be in partnership. That was kind of the first place where I kind of like learned of co-working and I learned of what I desired from friendship, what didn't work for me in friendship. So I ended up learning a lot about myself, but within my first two years um, of being in college, I wasn't necessarily sure about what it looked like to be social 
And I had seen so many ideas or pictures of what college looked like on TV, what high school looked like on TV. And I just wasn't sure what to expect. And so a lot of the time when I was on campus, my freshman and my sophomore year, despite loving God, despite um, having been kind of immersed um, from Monday to Friday in this kind of super structured and super kind of like designed to be rigid kind of lifestyle, and then having all the activities on Sunday to spend my day at church, I got to school, had no church community, had no church accountability. Well, that's not true. I did have church community. Well, actually, I'll take that back. I did not have church community. Um, but I did have Christian relationships who could understand like the turmoil of being on a college campus, wanting to kind of like see what's here, but also knowing we know better. <laughs> and so despite knowing better, we drank into oblivion, um, blacked out multiple different times. Um, and I want to say for the first two years of my collegiate experience, when I had the opportunity to smoke and just be high, I was. Um, and that's that's mentally where I lived. So after maybe like two years, maybe like a year and a half of deciding that I'm going to smoke and I'm going to drink, I was severely chemically imbalanced mentally. So I started to feel very unstable, unsteady, and ill-equipped to be in this environment that was requiring a different level of sobriety, of, of awareness, of engagement in an environment. And so when you combine not adjusting to college well academically, even though I worked so hard to kind of be ready to be in this environment, even though I had this community and network of friends, but I had to learn not only my course curriculum, not only to, to take agency for my education, but I also had to learn how to have real human, authentic and consistent relationships. And I also needed to kind of lean into the learning curve of what it meant to be social and to be myself. And not only that, you learn who you are when you see or pay attention to what you decide to do when no one else is looking, when there is no one to tell on you, when there is no one to tell you for you what your prescribed good and bad should be. So when you take all of that pressure, when you take the presence of some support in some areas, but the complete lack of support and structure in other areas, and you combine that with the toxicity of smoking dirty weed every weekend and getting blackout drunk every other weekend, you're going to find yourself in a chemical storm with all the stress and all of the anxiety and all of the problems. That was my experience. And so right around junior year, sophomore, junior year, probably the last semester of sophomore year and the first semester of junior year, I found myself in a situation. The situation was I had been so off and so out of it as far as my grades were concerned, I would not qualify for a study abroad. 
you have to have a certain GPA in order for people to say, yeah, you could handle leaving the country to do more of work. I hadn't proved that I could do work in my country of origin. So I was not in a position to even consider going away to do anything in particular. Not only that, I had kind of let my major like kind of fly by the seat of my pants. So if I knew I was interested in the class, I would take all the necessary classes, but I wasn't kind of like calculating and being meticulous about what job or industry I wanted to be in and what kind or quality or, or form for education I needed to kind of be immersed in in order to be the most qualified to be in that space. So here I am, junior year, no prospects to maximize my experience. It's not going well. And I recall having grades so low that I was going to run the risk of not being able to even participate in my very, very black after school or, or kind of extracurricular activities when at that point, the extracurricular activities was the reason I was still enrolled. So, I had to make some adjustments, but before I even thought about making those adjustments, I found myself in a deep and dark depressive spiral. In, in that spiral, I felt myself not able to decide to do anything. I wasn't able to. So when it was time to brush your teeth, I wasn't able to. When it was time to go take a shower, I wasn't able to. When it was time to go to class, I wasn't able to. And when it was time to do homework, I wasn't able to. I even thought about unenrolling. But guess what? Unenrolling in school and taking the agency to tell people I'm not well, if you can't brush your teeth, you aren't walking across campus. You aren't investigating what should happen. You aren't emailing these professors, telling them where you are and what's going on. I think I did manage to kind of like open my computer once and like kind of draft one to two sentences to a professor, maybe. And at the end of the day, it was just like, uh, it was it was like a quiet cry for help. But I think in the end of the day, they I think they said, like, I understand, get well soon. And <laughs> I don't even, I think there was a deadline, but I think I, oh, I think I was, had missed like quite a few classes at that point. And I was just like, eh. But I had friends who would come and be like, girl, where are you? And I would be in my bed and they would be like, okay, well, how long have you been there? And I'd be like, mm-hmm. Did you eat? No. It's 5 p.m. Did you shower? No. Okay. Again, it's 5 p.m. You work today? No. Okay. All right. And so that's when I started getting ushered from my bed to the bathroom that is not even, not even 25 steps away. Literally, the moment you step into the hallway, there's the bathroom. And I didn't even stand in the bathroom to brush my teeth. I sat down. I was not okay. At some point, because of the help I was getting from my friends, I was able to 
find my way into the kind of like counselor's office. And so I was there. And the first time I was there, I was uncomfortable. The, the woman, she just seemed like she was so shocked by, you could tell, first of all, you could always tell when this is a white person's first experience with a black person. It's always obvious. There's always this uh, deep curiosity and this studying of you that has absolutely nothing to do with human relationships. And it almost feels like they're watching some weird new human discovery. It's weird, it's odd, it's uncomfortable. And I remember her watching me kind of like fall apart and just being so weirdly interested but not supportive almost like she needed to study me before I could receive any sympathy or empathy and I was just like "Mm, this isn't gonna work so I didn't I came back again but I was just like yeah at the end of my session when I saw when I spoke to the person who was at the front desk I was like yeah not her though she was like, oh, okay, that's no problem. And, you know, they sometimes they like to tell you, like, it takes time to find your person. I'm like, yeah, I know she's not my person. Like, it's fine. Um, but I knew I needed to be in this environment. So I, I went again. And the next time I went, um, I met with kind of like the most senior person there. And I really liked him because he was cool. He was chill. He didn't, uh, he seemed way more culturally competent which means he looked at me and he saw a girl who was obviously struggling with depression and not a little black girl that somebody, somebody, something, something. Like you could just tell. And so he had his dog there. That was very exciting as well. His dog made me feel very comfortable. And I, that was the kind of first environment where I felt like I could be more honest um, without being, without experience immense judgment. And it was also the first environment where I realized I was making (laughs) weird dry humor jokes that we would both laugh at, but he he would be very sure to point out, like, yeah, do you know what you just did there? And I was just like, I mean, like, what did I do? And he's explaining to me that even as I try to tell him what I know and understand about my truth, I'm trying to cope with it right now. And we worked through that. And we we chipped away and we chipped away and we chipped away. And I went back every single week until I was better. And we even discussed the possibility of leaning into some medication. But I, I just really wasn't ready to add another piece of medication to all of my self-soothing medication. Because technically, when you're not doing anything that was compromising your chemical integrity like we were first so when I stopped smoking and when I kind of accidentally stopped drinking I had enough time to reset that you drink enough water you eat enough food you you sit in enough sunlight and you start unpacking the real mental and emotional and chemical trauma that you put yourself through and quite frankly, it just takes time to rebalance. And so I was nervous after that. Even though I felt better, 
even though things weren't as dark, even though things had become less bleak, I had started eating again, I had started hanging out with my friends again, I was in a different kind of situation. I'm reminding you now that I was wanting to go abroad, but I could not. And many of my friends were able to go ahead and take that time and go. And so when the people who were just supporting you through one of two, through the actual real life, toughest time of your life have to go on and live their own and they're checking in with you, but the time zones are different and everything is different. You have to go from, wow, if they weren't here, I don't know where I would be to a way more resourced and self-sufficient person. So I had to make some decisions and some adjustments. And so once I kind of got stable, um, I then started leaning into kind of just eating well. I stopped smoking altogether and I would drink socially, but quite frankly, I stopped going out. When your friends aren't there, who are you going out with? <laughs> and so I, I was trying to still be social. I was still trying to maintain relationships, but at the end of the day, I was just like, let me just hang out in these, in these like, like social environments, these clubs and these organizations. Let me keep myself like busy, but not too busy. And let me just do this work. Let me just do the classwork that I obviously had not been doing for over a year at that point. So, and I was, I, I was truly and deeply surprised to still be enrolled. So I went ahead and, you know, started doing the work on myself. It was when I learned how to take myself out to eat. It was when I picked up the habit of, you know, buying something to eat and then watching a sermon, watching, um, what was it? And watching like a TV show, um, all the things. And so I learned what it meant to be in kind of this blissful place by myself. It was when I started to create the muscle of getting out of my bed before the gym opened to civilians because it was open to athletes way, way earlier because their, their teams had like organized practices. So I would be walking into the gym along with our campus's football team and just going, going to the gym, coming back, picking up a smoothie for breakfast, picking up a light breakfast um, with like an egg or something. So I'm super reasonable. And go back home, listen to a sermon as I walk and did these like on-campus errands and then walk back to my dorm, got dressed, went to class. And I did that day. I did it for maybe a semester and a half. Um, yeah, I did that for a semester and a half before I knew how to reasonably be by myself and and not be lonely. And so... I had, at, after that, something changed. I was in the best shape of my life, and I had environments where I was contributing. I was starting to get internships and kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and started trying to think about, you know, what it would look like for me to graduate, started, you know, trying to put myself in position the best way that I knew how, and it, even in what I felt like my fixing, something in me broke. I would go on after that season of my life and I would, in all of my development, in all of my maturing, I would learn to never trust my mind 
fully ever again. So I would not tolerate laziness from myself because I had seen the valley. And being lazy felt like a slippery slope. I went from this person who couldn't remember where she put her homework, couldn't remember what file or folder it was in, who was forgetting things every day and late to everything, to this person who felt like becoming type A would fix the trust I no longer had in myself. And so I would you know, write everything down. I would set, you know, a ridiculous amount of alarms. My schedule was packed so that I couldn't, I couldn't even accidentally wander wander into a dark place. I started policing my content because if you watch, if you binge watch dark shows and you listen to dark music and you, you hang out in dark places, you are likely to start to kind of dwell in darkness. So I started putting myself in obnoxiously bright spaces, obnoxiously bright environments, and being very rigid with myself as far as what the standard was to kind of be successful. And so even after graduation, when I did, when I graduated with no job, I was like, it's chill. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to apply to jobs, but it's not enough that I apply to jobs. I have to keep up this aggressive running regimen. I have to keep eating well. I have to, you know, figure out what else I enjoy doing. And so that's when I started to kind of lead a little bit in more to blogging. At that point, I had did a full turnaround on my life. Um, and so I I was like, okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm caring for myself mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, I'm in a different place now. And so I wasn't kind of allowed, I I let myself watch a little TV, but it was kind of the lightest and the freshest of TV that you could find. Um, Things that were kind of lighthearted and romantic and, and things that wouldn't remind me of the darkness that I once resided in. And so I would live a busy life to avoid the option of stillness that looked like this place I went to for over a year where I could not be trusted with my own life and with my life's responsibilities. I would have jobs that required me to be so emotionally attached and so mentally kind of exhausted, but come home and be like, I'm gonna, you know, have this blog or I'm going to start this business or I'm going to work on this extracurricular project. And I would always, moving forward, have a project to sink my teeth into. And it continued. And having, being a woman and having literally hormonal cycles just made me even more nervous. I didn't trust my body to go through the natural ebbs and flows and hormones and emotions because I I couldn't afford to get back to that place where it was just dark. And so I would move forward looking like a type A person and kind of masquerading 
as this person who is a certain way, but his, who is only a certain way because I just don't trust myself to, to just go, to just live, to, to just have reasonable amounts of work and, and reasonable amounts of busyness and real rest. Fast forward, and we are in a pandemic. <laughs> and it was jarring to me to not be able to rest on the same amounts or degrees of busyness and movement in order to feel functional. During this time, I had also, or prior to the pandemic, I had gotten married, I had had a baby, and those are real big emotional events especially if you feel like I am very emotionally alert and (laughs) my emotions are kind of like this signaling bell of what's going on with me. And so I was going through big transitions and I'm trying to figure out, you know, am I okay? And so I was constantly finding ways to create rigidity um, in my life so that I couldn't fall. The pregnancy was a weird place because you, you would, so I was just so tired that I knew that my body was working. So even though I wasn't like busy on the outside, being busy on the inside gave me the permission I needed to live what most people look at as like a normal life where you kind of go, you do your work um, and you kind of come home and pass out. And it's just because like, honestly, I grew ears today. Honestly, I grew a heart today. I'm tired. I'm busy growing organs. Mm, I was working on the brain today. My body needs sleep. And I was just the sleepiest pregnant person you will ever find. And when I wasn't sleepy, I was working out because I really didn't want to lose my health and my fitness to food cravings and all that jazz. And so after I stopped kind of being busy and my life started to kind of like reset and rebalance, I had options. For over seven years, my husband has been just talking to me and just saying everything doesn't have to be a job. And so even when it came down to different projects I was working on or things I really, truly liked, I would turn them into this high, high effort, high caliber, high intensity experience. And it would come with the highest like consistency and frequency of work you could feasibly find. And I thought that because I had been given structure in my life uh, and because I had been, had opted into like some rigidity in my life that the people who knew me knew what was best and they knew where I should be and how I should orient my attention. And I believed it deeply in every way. And, and learning or starting to distrust myself only made me kind of lean into that narrative a little bit more um, and made me start to cling to that rigidity because when I was in someone else's care or when I was you know, not primarily responsible for myself in, that, in the same way, you know, that that darkness didn't happen, not not in that way. So I retreated to 
you know, what had obviously been recommended for years, you know, having activities, having formal work to do, um, all that stuff. The pandemic exposed to me that I had not been still in over a decade. I had been moving and active and avoiding myself with activities for a very long time. And what ended up happening was that you, at one point, you just get tired and you get fatigued and you just have to make some adjustments. And so one of the adjustments that I made um, in my work and my business is I started to slow down and pace myself. I, I was the kind of person or am still technically the kind of person who would buy all of the software for organization and project management and it would never work for me. I, I would say things or think things like, man, like this program isn't intuitive. This this is a hard structure. This this is this isn't this isn't go with a way that I think this isn't fluid enough to kind of like help me or support me through processes. So I would go from life and project management software to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, from free trial to, to paid subscription. And I just couldn't find a, a way or a platform to kind of like help me orient and organize my life. And even when I found a couple of really, really good ones, um, I couldn't hold strong and hold fast to it because in the same breath that I was creating this rigidity for myself as a means of protection, I would also rebel against it and fail to execute, fail to produce, and wonder why I felt like I was always falling off the wagon. So when you combine not trusting yourself with not producing, with not executing, despite how, no matter how hard you feel like you're working, you're like, this girl is not, <laughs> she's not together. And so it starts to impact things like your self-esteem, your identity, your sense of self, like all, this, all the things. And I, I was at one day, I think it was an accident. I was just like, man, I don't even understand, you know, why this stuff isn't working for me. I don't understand why I'm not trustworthy and why I won't obey my own command. Um, and so I started to be a little bit more still, be a little bit more quiet, and make very careful decisions. The first decision that I made was to decide what I wanted because from going to therapy, um, having multiple different uh, therapists and counselors and coaches and the like, and having conversations with them, I started to notice avoidant behavior that wasn't just rebellion. It was disinterest. It was my mind telling me, not only do you not want to be here, you don't want to do this. You don't value this. This isn't consistent with what you truly and deeply believe. You shouldn't be here. And so I started paying attention to any environment where I would kind of have this visceral reaction to the work, to the people, to the environment. And so instead of looking at everything that I was doing and calling myself broken, 
I had to start to take inventory of, of environments that obviously were an allergic reaction to my mind and my heart. And so I started realizing this isn't the way you need to thrive. This isn't the way that you learn. This isn't the way you heal. This isn't the way that you process. And so even though for most of your life, you have been taught these coping mechanisms, you have been taught these processes and these strategies, you are doing something that is counterintuitive to the way you live. And so it's not that everybody is wrong about what it means to be organized or to be structured or to be dependable within yourself. It's just that what dependability might look like for you might look different. What stability looks like for you might look different. And what rest and stillness looks like for you might also look a little bit different. And even the way that my work ethic would ebb and flow, it would have to be, it would have to see adjustments. So here I am realizing these things about myself and just taking aggressive inventory all the time. I'm noticing when I literally cannot thrive and I'm also noticing when I feel immense and serious competency. So I would take the time away from very structured environments and kind of do different things to investigate what it felt like to feel competent, to feel like I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm interested in. I know what I like and I know what I don't like. I know what makes me comfortable and I know what doesn't make me comfortable. And I started putting myself or testing myself in environments where I could lean on greater degrees of interest, of curiosity, of competency. And I found out I'm creative. <laughs> I found out I, I am a person who loves thinking. I'm a person who likes to ingest and to process information and insight. I learned these things about myself and I started leaning into them in my activities, in my environment. And I had to start making some big and serious adjustments to my formal or normative life so that I wouldn't just live the fullness of my life in in full competency and full interest after work. So I started changing. I started doing the work to study and to practice um, so I could change industries, but kind of hold strong to the lessons I learned about the spaces I had been and the things that I, I had learned about myself. And over the past kind of few months, I even made some big adjustments to my business to make sure that I'm leaning into the area that's the most fluid and that's the most natural to how I think, how I solve, prob- solve problems, and how I can solve the, the needs of my customers in a way that's just the most fluid for me and that can be fluid for people who might think or process things like me. And so it leads me to the thought I was thinking today. Over the last few weeks, I have had, I've, I have like 
created moments of stability and rigidity so that there's a standard. So I would say, you know, I have this this chunk of maybe six to seven hours where I'm doing this work. I have this chunk of two to three hours where I'm, you know, enjoying, you know, something leisurely. I'm enjoying my family. I started creating rigid boundaries about what rest looked like. I started changing the standard for what I needed to eat and what I would tolerate in my body and paying attention to how things make me feel. Intermittent fasting makes me very sleepy um, and very caffeine dependent. So I just I just started paying attention. And I would watch what I learned about myself in that rigidity and in that structure. And then I would find myself retreating from that structure maybe after a week or maybe after two weeks or so. And at first, I thought it was a pattern of disinterest. I thought that it was me kind of fading or feigning um, in my commitment, in my seriousness. And then I noticed that even when I would decidedly take myself off of a program, off of a regimen, it was based on data and insight about when I was the most fruitful, when I was the most productive, when I was the most sharp. And so while I might have this seven hour window of work time at this time of day, what I didn't realize is when I wake up and spend time with my daughter and then go to the gym and then come back and make myself breakfast and then start to plan and organize my day, my task, my calendar, and then get into my work that's a way more kind of like healthy structure for me than the one I prescribe for myself based on what people call good, based on what man calls productive, even though the way we all think is very, very different. And so I had to start leaning in to not just what was marketed as productivity and accomplishment, but paying attention to my own cues and leaning into that. And so looking at a program or a regimen I got off of because maybe I, or maybe I rearranged the pieces in, in some way that I realized was more fruitful, I had to acknowledge I didn't quit the program. I learned enough about myself to make adjustments. And my fear was that I was making an excuse to quietly quit. That, you know, if I'm working, if I have a, a, a sun up work schedule and I don't work while the sun is up, but I end up working deep into the night, you know, is that the same, is that the same success? If, if I, if I get nine hours of sleep one day and four hours of sleep the next day, is that, does it mean that I, I'm not, I'm not as stable? as I thought I would be. If I do no work today and fig for some reason can stomach 14 hours of work tomorrow without planning to do 14 hours of work, but just committing to doing something, committing to just laying today's brick, and I find out I could build a wall in a day, like, is that okay with you? And what I've learned is that I have become relatively healthy enough mentally, 
and emotionally to be able to trust my decisions and trust my instincts when it comes to me and my work. I used to think that having had a very long depressive stint and having had sporadic depressive episodes after that made me an unsafe and unproductive person. I had identified myself by my lowest moment and I called my name that every single day. And it wasn't until yesterday and today when I was talking to my husband, when I was just like, yo, I really thought something was wrong with me. I really didn't trust myself to work. I didn't trust myself enough to grant myself the freedom to find out what works for me because of what I thought about myself in another season. And it has been a stronghold ever since. My, my, my standards or my methods for productivity were something I had designed to be this impenetrable fortress in which I can't, a lazy person can't survive. I had to change the standard for production and output in my life so that I could hit this goal, this milestone, or get to this place. And even as I grew, and even as I healed, and even as I matured, I just, I just didn't give myself the room to really apply those lessons in real time and depend on that knowledge. And it wasn't until I started giving myself quiet permission and quiet and, and, and offering myself quiet grace that I started to find out I am always going to produce because I like fruitfulness. I like not not just movement, but productivity and stillness and silence is not nearly as dangerous as I thought it once was. In fact, I was holding myself hostage, forcing myself to constantly be on, and that was dangerous. And so over the last six months, six months, six to eight months, it's it's anywhere between six and nine months, um, I had decided to go offline. I decided I wouldn't create another piece of content. I decided I wasn't going to um, post for the sake of posting just because I have a business that is online. I decided that I was going to be still enough and be quiet enough to figure out why I wasn't doing the fullness of the work that I wanted to do in my business. And I was paying attention to the fact that I don't always know when to say no. And so deep procrastination and immense neglect is my mind saying no for me. Because I know what it means to work because not only do I honor it, I cherish it. So there must be something else at play. And so I committed to praying and 
fasting and asking and reading until I had the clarity that I needed about what I needed to be doing in my business, what I need, who, who I needed to be serving and how I was going to do it. The goal was clear understanding and stability that would allow me to lean into a more free framework so that I wouldn't always be fighting the process, trying to talk myself into staying in the room, staying loud, staying active, and forcing myself to do something I obviously wasn't interested in. And so I got quiet and I got still and things got clear. Over the next, I don't know, maybe like five episodes, three to five episodes, I honestly cannot be sure because my notes are so robust for that. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be breaking down lessons that I learned from going offline. And not offline and like, well, I, I was this person who lived in this cave and was off the internet. No, no, no. I just had no... I had no requirement on myself to just be this performative caricature, I said that word so funny, um, of this person who was just talking to be seen and desiring to be liked and, and wanting to be outwardly affirmed. I didn't need any of that. Honestly, I already had some of the currency of what that was. And quite frankly, it wasn't worth that much to me. So I was just like, listen, everything feels like vanity. (laughs) Nothing feels like ministry. I feel ungrounded. I feel unstable. What in the world do I need to do right now to get clear, to get focused, and to get serious so that I can start producing at at a serious level Mind you, over all of this time that I, I, I kind of like outlined my work ethic and I outlined my struggles, I learned how to do the work. I learned how to push through. I learned I could do deep work, immense work. I learned a lot about myself. And I realized that because I wasn't in the right, I didn't create the right environment for myself. There was absolutely no way I could go full throttle in anything. Absolutely no way. And so I felt like I was constantly moving slow for some reason and not not for a productive reason. I couldn't change the gear. So I was just like, listen, I can't speed up. If I slow down, I'm nervous. I'm going to fall apart. So let me stop. Find out if that's really true and adjust. And I kind of was just, I didn't trust me to figure it out. I needed God to hold the seams of my mind and my identity together. I was dependent wholly on him because I didn't trust me with me. And so I needed to kind of see who he said I was, what he said I should be doing, And what in the world I needed to be doing next. And so that lesson is the lesson and those like multiple lessons are the lessons I'm going to be talking about for the next three to five episodes. Just because it was such a pivotal 
six to nine months for me kind of just like being quiet being still and not feigning interest or forcing myself to produce in some egregious or aggressive way but it also came on the hills of a year 2020 in which the world had never been more still and people were nervous about being left alone with themselves and their thoughts and not only that we were so sure we were full throttle in an apocalypse and everybody who had gotten sick was all of a sudden a dangerous zombie it was a lot and so it was a very it has been a very interesting year two years but the last six to nine months has been some of the most eye-opening experiences i've ever seen and i've learned more from deciding to stop running from myself and deciding to put the fullness of the mess that I am in the hands of God and saying, what, not only what are you going to do about this because this is a problem, what do you see that I obviously do not see because I am not going to be able to steward and manage myself, my life, or my family if we don't get this right. And so that's what we're talking about (laughs) over the next couple of episodes. This was the impromptu episode that I needed so that when I go, because I still really deeply love structure and being organized, it makes me feel like, it feels like self-care. That's a good way to put it. You know how it feels when you do like skincare, you go get a haircut, you, you go get your hair braided. You know, even though those are low-key chores, (laughs) um, you like what it feels like to have decided and you like the reward or the result of having made that decision. And that's what I feel about being organized and being structured and being systematic. And so I'm excited to dive into that. And I think this is going to be really, really good. (laughs) And so until next time, I hope and I pray that you are taking active inventory And really, really learning from the lessons that you are faced with every single day. And you aren't just hearing the lessons I learned. You are inundated with the countless lessons you get to learn as well. I know why you're here and I think I can help. For many, starting a business isn't just about starting something trendy and doing something on a whim. For a lot of people, the shift is coming from a place of financial necessity. For many, the biggest hiccups happen in one of three places. One, trying to package an offer that captures your genius. Two, promoting your offer in a way that's authentic to you and your brand. Or three, delivering your offer with the same caliber of excellence and intensity that you used in order to sell it. To learn more about how to strategically take your next offer from ideation to execution, visit zaniaeblue.com slash the brand solution. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. 
If that's true, I want you to leave a review. I want you to share one of the things that really resonated with you, one of the most memorable parts of the episode, and I kind of want to know what is the thought that spiraled from the very thing you heard? A lot of the times we hear a thought, we're like, ooh, that's good. But usually the thought that we produce as a result of that is even better. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear the things you're learning in your own life's lessons. And be sure to subscribe so you never, ever miss out on when we publish brand new episodes. Can't wait to talk to you soon.